Anybody ever go to like a party or a mixer at work or something and they give you those name tags that says, hello, my name is? <laughs> Anybody dread that? Some of you are like, I'm not talking about that. That's, that's just too close, too close to the heart. You know, when, when we think about some of those times, like what you put on that name tag often tells a lot about you. And many of us go by different names. You ever thought about that? Like, for instance, if, if you said, hello, my name is, I might give you a, n- a number of different responses. Like, for instance, uh, when I was younger, I would have said, my name is Bo, because that's all I heard from my, my parents and my sister, and sometimes it was Bobo, and then that was kind of weird when you get a little older, and it's like, you know, we got to find something else. Uh, you know, then I was, I was bulldog for a little bit, uh, and some of you are like, I've never seen you act ferocious or mean, and that's because bulldogs are often small, and it's the size of the dog in the fight, or the fight in the dog, and, uh, but actually it was because of the way that I pitched baseball. Uh, when I was in high school, I, I made faces apparently, and so my coach, uh, Coach Eric Roberts, uh, he said, <laughs> you look like a bulldog when you're out there, and uh, so it stuck, and even now, uh, just a few weeks ago, I got a chance to, uh, 25 years later, talk to my high school baseball coach, and as soon as he put it, he actually FaceTimed me. And uh, which was a little weird, but it was cool at the same time. He's like, hey, Bulldog, what's going on? And it's like, you're one of the few people that actually call me that anymore. So, but then I was Scotto. And some of you have seen me address emails that way. And Scotto comes from a group of friends at my, at my high school group, my student group in New Orleans, Louisiana, Metairie, Louisiana, if you know where that is. And uh, for many, many years, I was Scotto. I would sign all my emails, Scotto. I tried to adopt Scotto. In fact, uh, at Logan Birdsong's graduation, there was a, a, a guy that his last name was Escotto, and John Hilton's over there, like, elbow. I'm like, hey, he's got your name. What's going on? So, but uh, it's one of those, like, I don't know how we got there. It just kind of became itself. And then, and then I had a new name, and it was Honey. And if I hear the sweet voice of Callie and says, Honey, then I know it's her. She's the only one that calls me that. And uh, that is just when I know it's her, then I say, Hey, Sugar, how's it going? And we're connected right here. But then if that wasn't enough, I have a new name that some of you have heard because of my son and my daughter and now many students in our youth group, and it's Paw Paw. So apparently when you start getting gray in the beard and you start t- complaining about how you can't throw a football like you did 20 years ago, your son thinks you're now a grandfather and starts to call you Papa, and so that's just kind of stuck. But what's, what's interesting about all this is, is names tell stories, do they not? Like if you had nicknames when you were growing up, that, those nicknames are not just nicknames, those are stories. And for some of you, it's attributes or characteristics about you that other people saw in you and, and wanted to recognize you and really to either affirm you, maybe make fun of you a little bit, or hopefully not too bad. But you had names and that kind of stuck. And some of you enjoyed those names and some of you ran from those names and some of you are still running from those names. But they're, they're your names. That's the, the stories that you share. And it happens to all of us. It happens to young and to the old of us. And, and some of us, we have different pet names and nicknames that we use uh, within the room. But you know what? So does God. When you go through the Old Testament, and you start to read some of the names, when you see it in plain English, it doesn't really mean anything to you. But when you study into the Old Testament, you get into dive into some of the early books of the Bible, these weren't just names that people just randomly gave to God. These were moments where they had an experience. They had a moment with God that really defined who God was for them. And they started calling him names. And and usually Jehovah, when you see Jehovah, there are two ways to look at it. It's either Jehovah or Yahweh. And in plain English, we get to see the vowels, but in in Hebrew, there were no vowels. And so it's like reading these letters, like, what does this word mean? And then finally somebody said, well, let's put some vowels in there and make it easier. And so we have Yahweh, we have Jehovah. And so for the next eight weeks, like I told you earlier, we're going to go over some of these names. There's only eight, and, and really, truly, there's way more than eight names of God in the Bible. 
There's names that, that, that are given real significance. There are names that are easy to say. There are names that I'm probably going to butcher them along the way and just ask for your forgiveness and grace. But these are names that mean a lot to people in the Bible, and they should mean a lot to us. Because while they were their experiences, and it's the title that they bestowed upon God, these are the names of God that we need to embrace and we need to recognize because the same God in the Old Testament is the same God in 2021. He hasn't changed. Seasons change, people change, situations change, but God does not change. So if God was a shepherd in the Old Testament, guess what God wants to be for you in 2021? But the difference between us now and many of them in the Old Testament is there was, a, there was a passion, there was an urgency, there was a running after God that many of us would really do well if we adopted that same lifestyle. So this summer, we want to introduce you to the names. We want to tell you stories in the Bible where these names actually came to be. We want to tell you stories of how this really means. And maybe there's not a story attached to it, but there's just some scriptures associated with them when we can point out and say, this is why you can say that this is the name of God, and he is good, and he is righteous, and he is the shepherd. And we want to be able to point that out to you this summer. So you're going to hear some things. You're going to hear today is going to be Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. I had to look it up because I get these. There's a couple that are really close, and I didn't want to tell you the wrong name. But Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. You're going to hear this name again next week, Jehovah Jireh. Many of you have enjoyed a song on, uh, on the radio as a Jireh. And many have talked about how, man, that's been an anthem for me. And God is my provider. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is our restorer, our healer. Jehovah Sinkinu, hopefully I did that right. The Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. Many of us, man, we need to know God is there. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. And Jehovah M. Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. Each week, we want you to lean in. We want you to read the Bible. We want you to be a part of life groups. We want you to do everything that you can to identify that this is. So this morning, let's just look at Jehovah Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd. We need some ownership in the room when it comes to our relationship with God. Your faith needs to be your faith, not your mom's, not your dad's, not your grandparents, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, best friend in the whole wide world. Your faith needs to be your faith. And it is my prayer that by the end of the day, you can identify and say that the Lord is my shepherd, or for you, the Lord is your shepherd. And we're like, well, is he available for everybody? We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But I want you to take ownership of your faith. I want you to be able to identify with this name. Because so, while many of the scriptures happened long ago, I need you to be able to look into your circumstances. I need you to be able to walk into your world, into your circle, and say, the Lord is my shepherd. Because everything that comes after that, that we'll read here in just a minute in Psalm 23, it all starts that God is your shepherd, that God is my shepherd. So this morning, you have three places you can join me. You can join me in Psalm 23. We'll be there in just a second. You can join me in Ezekiel 34. We'll be there, go through a couple of scriptures there. Or you can join me in John chapter 10. Any one of those places, you'll be good at some point during the sermon, I promise you. But this morning, I want you to really, even now, in your moment right there with you, I want you to begin to evaluate. I want you to silently pray, God, are you my shepherd? Jesus, are you my shepherd? Am I allowing you to be my shepherd? And then we want to unpack scripture. We want to unpack some thoughts together. And then by the end of the day, I want you to be able to answer that question, is the Lord my shepherd? And prayerfully, we'll all walk out of here saying yes. 
So let's read Psalm 23 together. If you know it, I'm going to read out of the CSB. You may have a little different version, but we'll be in there together pretty much. Uh, Words and may change a little bit here and there. But Psalm 23 reads this. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still, quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his namesake. And even when I go through the darkest valley, I have fear, no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord for as long as I live. What David does right there is King David. Let's give you a little background history. King David was, was labeled a man after God's own heart. And from the time that David was a young teenager, maybe a young child, all the way into being king of the largest, world, largest kingdom on the earth at the time, there was one person that led David, and that was God. David had a love affair with God that was unrivaled. They were so close. They prayed. They sang together. Dave loved to, David loved to worship. I like shortchanging Dave, my boy Dave over here. David loved to worship. He loved to write poetry. And many of the Psalms are, are attributed to him because he wrote them out of the overflow of his relationship with God. David has watched God be everything that we listed just a few moments ago. He's watched God be his banner and go to battle for him. He's watched God set him apart, sanctify him for greater things and greater ministry, anoint his head with oil to lead a people that are God's chosen people. He's watched watched God be righteous. He's watched God be a provider. And all of this starts because he says, you know what, I can say that is because God has been my shepherd and my eyes have been fixed on him. So this morning, we want to learn from David, but we also want to learn from some of the other scriptures. And what I find interesting as I'm studying here is if the king of the largest kingdom in the world needed to have God as his shepherd, how are we doing? Last time I checked, nobody's rolling in a, in a chariot into the building. We haven't set up uh, you know, secret service or special security. We haven't, we haven't done anything that we're rolling out the red carpet. But yet if the king of all kings at this particular time says the Lord is my shepherd, then we need to learn from him and say, okay, well, hold on. If he's the richest and he's the most powerful and he's the one that's got the most influence he's got all these things and he still needs God then if I would say my circumstances don't compare to him then I better have God as my shepherd too and the world is filled of voices and noises that try to lead you and try to shepherd you but they are not what you need they are not what I need and some of us they're sitting in our hands right now They're sitting in our homes. They're at work. They're sitting next to us. They're people that we give influence or allow them to have influence over us. And I want you to evaluate, not to say that people around us are bad. I want you to see that God is the only shepherd that needs to lead us and guide us and take us to where we need to go. That's the way David approached it. He's saying, when I follow God, God is my shepherd. I had all I need. I lied down in green pastures. I lied down in still waters. He renewed my life. He he led me so well in righteousness and right paths for his name's sake. When I went through dark valley, I didn't have any fear because I knew he was with me. When I knew that I I felt alone, I knew that his rod and his staff, they were there for me. They were ready to fight for me. He prepared a table in presence of my enemies so that when I walked to the battlefield, everybody began to shiver like David showed up. No, we're not fine today. Everybody go home. 
That's the way that David's relationship with God was kind of the domino's effect. Because God was his shepherd, everything began to fall into place. The Lord is my shepherd. So for us this morning, I want to ask you a question. And really, truly, it's one of the questions that we often ask because when we share things with you, we share sermons with you, inevitably somebody will walk up to us and say, why is this important? So I want you to look at that question with me. Why do I need a shepherd? If you want to personalize it, like for me, why do you need a shepherd? There are going to be some things that I'm about to say here in a few moments that are going to hurt your feelings. And I'm okay with that because God hurt my feelings before I hurt yours. Because before I could preach this message to you, I had to, I had to study it. I had to read it. I didn't want to keep going sometimes. But we're going to be in this boat together. Does that sound good? Because if this rain keeps up, we may be in a boat together anyway. So here we go. <laughs> Why do I need a shepherd? We all need a shepherd because, number one, we are not as wise as we think we are. Please do not elbow your spouse or any family member next to you. Every time I went to Cracker Barrel as a kid, there used to be a little sign that I begged my parents to buy, or at least I would encourage them or point it out what direction it was at. And they said, hey, teenagers, move out while you still know everything. (laughs) So I thought I would. Quickly reminded I'm not as wise or good as I think I am. You know, oftentimes we depend on our wisdom to get us through the whatever comes next. Whatever we feel like, that must be the wise thing for us to do. Whatever someone else's experience where I'm going to watch a YouTube video, and based on that YouTube video, then I'm going to go ahead and do that myself, because that must be a wise thing to do. That's a documented, edited video. I'm going to do this because it's worked for somebody else, but that's somebody else's relationship with God. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to, I, 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 I. You see where we're going with this? The right way to approach God as a shepherd is, God, where are you leading me? Out of your abundance of wisdom, out of your abundance of goodness, out of your abundance of faithfulness, out of your abundance of righteousness, what is the wise thing for me to do? And then it stops being about me and it starts being about God. God, what are you calling me to? God, how would you handle this situation? How would you navigate this relationship that causes me anxiety and stress? How would you look at this job that I really despise, but you apparently do not want me to leave? How do I navigate this part of my marriage or this part of my adulthood? How do I navigate whatever comes next? Because I don't know what comes next, but in your wisdom, what should I do? And then God says, that's great. Let's go. Follow me. And out of his abundance of wisdom, he leads us to prosperity. He leads us to hope. He leads us to salvation. He leads us to the places that we would not be able to go on by ourselves. We are not as wise as we think we are. The second thing I would share with you is this. We can't see what's coming all the time. Uh, I remember this time, and my mom may, may or not remember this, but when we were young, my, my grandmother remarried, and uh, he, the man he, she married had a beautiful ranch outside in East Texas, many hundreds of acres, a lot of playground for young kids, and he had this great new invention that I'd never seen before. It's called a four-wheeler. <laughs> and not only did he have a four-wheeler, he had the big ones, like, you know, we, the big ones that everybody sees rolling down the street now on the trailer because they've been at the deer, deer, deer lot. But he had the mini one. And when you're a young kid and you see a four-wheeler that's just your right size, we're going. 
And so all the older cousins were rolling up the hills, and they were jumping things, and I was like, yeah. So I took that mini little four-wheeler. Mom's probably memory jogging right now. She probably tried to block it out, and I'm bringing back bad memories for them. But when I rolled that hill, all of a sudden I rolled over and over and over. What I didn't realize is my parents and everybody around me said, don't do it. That, that four-wheeler cannot do what you think it can do. You cannot see what's about to happen, but we can. And in my infinite wisdom as a single-digit person, <laughs> I got this. And I got the headaches to prove it. But if I had listened to them and I would watched the warning signs and I had listened to the, don't do this, I would not have been injured. I would not have been hurt. And I would not have had to embarrass my family because of my stupidity. When we can't see all that's coming, we don't know the dangers that are ahead. And if we try to charge into un uncharted waters without God's presence, you can read all through the Bible how that worked out for everybody in the Bible, and yet we still do it. One of my favorite moments in the Bible is in 1 Samuel where Jonathan and his armor bearer are getting ready to go to battle. I didn't say Jonathan, armor bearer, and the whole army. I didn't stutter. Jonathan and the armor bearer, and the only thing they have between them is a sword and a shield. And Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and says, hey, okay, if they call us up, we're going to go to battle. And God's in on this, and he's going to bring us victory. But if they say, we're coming down, it's been great to know you. We're not going to make it. Jonathan looked at God and said, God, whatever you want to do, we need victory over those people. Those people are, are taunting you. Those people are, are murdering your people. They have, they have no love for you. What do you want me to do? The Philistines go, come on up. Armor bearer looks at Jonathan and says, go, I'm with you, heart and soul. God knew what was about to happen. Jonathan didn't. God knows what's about to happen in your circumstance, but you don't. Don't panic. Don't make up your own scenarios. Don't try to do anything on your own because all you're going to do is lead to your harm and your destruction, but God is going to lead you to success. I can't see what's coming, but I think that's going to be the path I want. Don't do it. That may be a good path, but God's got a great path. Let me say that again for some of you that are in some choices right now. You think that's a good path, but God's got a great path. And you need to choose God's greatness, not your goodness. Because your goodness is going to lead you to harm and destruction. You don't see all that's coming, but God does. He sees the predators. He sees the, the blind spots. He sees the things that will keep you safe. Trust him. Follow him. Submit to him. Surrender to him and let him protect you. The third thing is that we need help. In this world that we live in, it's God's arena, not ours. Please don't think that you know everything. Please don't believe the lie that you can take care of yourself and you're the only person that you need. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We need help, and the help that we need comes in the form of God the Father. If you sing a song talking about God's goodness and faithfulness, then you need to trust him with everything. And by everything, I mean everything. The Greek translation of everything is everything. <laughs> Don't shortchange what God can do in your life. Really, truly, it's just more fun if we had a good leader. Don't you agree? Man, when you go on a, like an adventure, um, Kyle and I just got back from Disney World, and, and one of the great testaments, our friend Tana, we were talking not too long after. I know Tana's in the room. And Tana's like, man, I, next time I go to Disney, y'all are coming with me because y'all look like y'all had fun. You look like you knew everything that you were supposed to do. 
And Kyler would tell you, well, it's really because somebody led us. Who led them? Who led them? And they knew where to go, when to go, how to do it, where to stay, stand in line for, what to skip. They knew everything. And we benefited from their leadership. And my family benefited from Callie's leadership because she's like, this is the way we should do it. And every second, stop, stop, uh, start to stop, we had fun. When it comes to God, the same way. When you find somebody in this room, there's, there's probably somebody in this room that you need to learn from because God has been so faithful and so good in their life. When you look at them, you're like, man, they just look like they have it all together. It's not that they have it all together. It's their eyes are on God and they've never taken them off. And you need to follow that person. Because when the storms happen and the circumstances feel like it's piling on and the world seems to be caving in, go find that person. Because they're the person standing under the shadow of the shepherd going, oh, we're, oh he's got this. This isn't the first time. He's got this. You need to find that person. And truly, honestly, you need to find God. Go find God and stand in his shadow because I promise you, when God shows up, he shows off and he takes care of you. So what is a shepherd? Shepherd is used in the Bible a hundred times, a hundred plus times, depending on your translation. It can mean anything from being a keeper and a feeder of the animals to a protector to a pastor. It can mean a lot of different things. But what does it mean for us to have a shepherd that God says is in the Bible? It means a couple different things. Let me give you a couple. One, it means, uh, it means a, a companion. Somebody to lead you and guide you. Somebody to be there with you when you're walking through the, when you're walking through the valley, you're walking through the field. Man, we could really use some good friendships in this world. Let God be your best one. We look at uh, friends and pastors. We look at people that are caring for us, taking care of us, praying for us, walking us through, taking care of us when we're injured or when we're sick. Sometimes even, not literally, but figuratively, breaking our legs, because shepherds would do that back in the day. They would break the legs to kind of train the sheep. Nobody break any legs in here today. But they would break the legs of the sheep to keep them from going to places they didn't need to go. And sometimes you need that pastor, you need that pastoral friend to lead you and say, this is not the way. Don't do that again. And it's tough love, but it's needed. And sometimes you just need that shepherd that's the warrior. That person that's going to go after the predators and, and just stand in the gap. If you've been to my office, some of you know that my dad went to Uganda many years ago and bought me a spear that is basically a shepherd's spear out in the fields of Uganda. And let me tell you something. When he brought it back, he used the words, this actually was bought right in front of me, and a guy said, I'm going into the field. I need a new one. It is ready for battle. It's a little dull now, and I've tried to kind of mess it up. But how neat is it that, man, when God has his weapons in his hand, there is nothing to fear. Man, he is good, and he's going to take care of you. We need that shepherd warrior for us. Herbert Locklear is who kind of I did a lot of studying with over the last couple of weeks, and he has this quote. I want to share it with you. He says this. He says, The revelation of God as Jehovah Rohi, the one who shepherd of love, care, and resources they could depend on for all the untrodden and unknown pathways of the future. No matter what unseen days may produce, whether their needs are temporal or spiritual, the needs that they would be utterly powerless in supplying on every turn of their way, their faithful shepherd would be at hand to relieve and undertake. That's a lot of words. But let me just put it in really simple Scott Matthews format for you. You need him, he's there. You need something, he's there. You're in trouble, he's there. Because the two words that, that really stood out to me were untrodden and unknown. 
And I know many of you, we've, we've walked through some situations in, in our time together. I've almost been here nine years, which is crazy. Um, but we've walked through some situations where many of you have said to me in conversation, maybe I've said to you, I don't know what comes next. I don't know where we're headed. But I do know God, and I do know his faithfulness. And whatever we do next, it'll be just right. And for some of us, that's what we need. You need to know for your life right now, whatever God has next for you, it's because God has it. And follow it with all your heart and your soul and your mind. So let's talk about the good and bad shepherd because I need you to ask yourself, who is my shepherd? Who are the shepherds that that I'm following? Who are the ones that I'm allowing to lead me? And really, truly, in my opinion and estimation, there are two shepherds that we have, the good and the bad. So because I like to end on good notes, let's talk about the good second. Let's talk about the bad first. Everybody with me? The bad shepherd. The bad shepherd's identification is this. Anybody not named God or Jesus? Pretty simple. If you have anybody leading you in your life that's not named God or Jesus, you need to ask God to lead you to a new place. Now, God will bring people into your life, but ultimately it's God leading. So let's be clear about that. Because some of you are like, man, I'm leading some people and I'm not bad. We'll get to that part in just a second. But God will bring other shepherds. We're going to see in Ezekiel some shepherds that thought they were leading God's people and really just truly weren't. But God will bring some other people. But make sure it's God that's leading the way, even if he goes through other people. Because anything that God is not a part of, you need to not be a part of it. Okay? So the bad shepherd is anything caring about their well-being versus yours. If you're following anyone, any voices, any influencers in this world, and they have nothing and no care about your well-being, stop following them. If they only want to protect themselves, if they only fuel unhealthy practices, if they want to use you and not care for you, stop following them because they are bad shepherds. Ezekiel 34, second part of verse 2 says this. It says, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't they have been shepherds feeding their flock? So when you look at the people that are in your life, who is feeding you and who are they trying to take care of? Ezekiel will go on later to say a revelation for God. It says in verse 8, as I live, this is the declaration of the Lord because my flock lacking a shepherd, they have become prey and food for every wild animal. And because my shepherds do not search for my flock, they feed themselves. And later on, God says, here's my word. And we'll get into God's word here in just a second. And Jesus would later add in John 10 that some of these shepherds, the ones that came before Jesus right there in the New Testament, many of them, they came as thieves and robbers. And his sheep don't listen to them. And we need to evaluate. Am I being led to Jesus or am I being led from Jesus? Am I influencer seeking their glory or God's glory? And when I'm in a tough spot, do they come to my rescue? Questions to ask. Dangers of following a bad shepherd are pretty simple. One is that you're never satisfied. If you would sit in this room right now in this chair and be like, I am not fulfilled and I am not satisfied spiritually, then my question to you is, who is leading you? Because if you're looking for someone in a human form to lead you, to fulfill you, to satisfy you, you are looking in the wrong place. If you are looking to a substance to satisfy or fulfill you, you are handed the wrong bottle. 
If you are on social media thinking all the clicks and all the likes and all the hearts and the stars, and that is fulfilling you and satisfying, I'm telling you that is a lie from the pit of hell. Only God can satisfy you the way that you need to be satisfied. Bad shepherds lead to harm. Primarily, I think about some relationships that I've, been, I've known about, maybe even a few relationships that I've been. When I look back on those relationships, there was no goodness in those relationships. They were only harm. And if I put all my following into that bad relationship, I'm in, I'm in harm's way. Maybe not physical, but spiritual harm, emotional harm, financial harm. I need to make sure that if I'm following somebody, I'm going to invest in this relationship. I'm going to invest in God. As the Bible says, God does not come for your harm. He comes for your fulfillment. He comes to give you abundance. He comes to give you hope and a future. This is the good shepherd. The bad shepherd, also one more thing before I move on. The bad shepherd leads you straight to hell. And I'm not talking adjectives. Proper noun. You can use that with a capital H and be okay. Bad shepherds will lead you to hell because you will walk up in front of Jesus and you will say, man, I can't wait to come in. Welcome me into your kingdom. And Jesus is going to say, move away from me because I never knew you. But they were in my church and I followed them. They are not here either. Move away. I never knew you. We better make sure that we're following the right people. We're following the right voices. But praise God, we have a good shepherd. Amen? We have a good shepherd named Jesus Christ that only wants the best, only protects us, always supplies for us, always makes sure that we're in a place of, of just joy and abundance. And usually when we take our eyes off, we don't feel any of that, but that's because we took our eyes off the good shepherd. Ezekiel 34, going back there to 11 and 12, the good shepherd God says this to Ezekiel. He says, for this is what I say. The Lord God says, I myself will search for my flock. I will look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day among the scattered flock, I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from the places that they have scattered on the day of clouds and total darkness. Later on, he would say, I will tend to them in a good pasture where their grazing place will be on the lofty mountains. They will lie down in good grazing place. They will feed on rich pasture and mountains of Israel. Doesn't that sound like that's the shepherd you want to follow? And Jesus says this in John 10, I am the good shepherd. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the fathers know me, I know the Father. I lay my life down for my sheep. But listen to this, some of you that have not been in church for very long. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen, and I will bring them with me also. And they will listen to my voice, and then there will be one flock and one shepherd. Man, that's good news. Because some of us, like maybe if you grew up outside of church or you don't feel like you're worthy of God, what Jesus just said is, look, if you will hear my voice and you will follow me, then you are welcome to the family. And not only will you be welcome, but you can come in, you can graze on the pastures, I'll lead you to prosperity, I'll lead you to hope, I'll lead you to salvation, I'll lead you to grace, I'll lead you to whatever you need, I'll lead you. But you follow me and we'll get there together. Jesus would later say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Then we need to follow Jesus. The guarantees of a good shepherd. You can guarantee. I love guarantees. Don't you love guarantees? Let me try not to sound like a used car salesman. 
But there are some guarantees of following the good shepherd. The first guarantee is that Jesus laid it all on the line for you. Jesus has laid it all on the line for you. He doesn't have to do it every time you mess up. He did it once and he did it enough. It took care of every sin, past, present, and future. The abundance of grace, the overflow of his love, he took care of everything for you. He laid his life on the line for you. Man, God is good. But if that wasn't enough, the next guarantee is he welcomes all people into his flock. That's probably one of the best guarantees for some of us. Because, man, I, like, I don't know if Jesus would love me. Jesus just said, the gate is open. You can come in. You can follow me. I'm the way. There's no excuses now. There's no excuses not to follow Jesus anymore. Because he is the good shepherd. And he will lead you straight to the Father. And if that wasn't enough, what I can guarantee you about Jesus is that you will always be in a place to grow. Always be in a place to be fulfilled. And always be in a place to be satisfied. Now, let's be clear before you start thinking like this is some kind of utopia where everything works. Will there be hard days in the field of Jesus? Yes. Will you want to jump the fence and go somewhere else? Yes. Will Jesus break your leg from time to time spiritually, not literally, but spiritually, to keep you where he needs you? Yes. Do you need to trust him? Oh, yes. Is he a good shepherd? If God has been a good shepherd, if Jesus has been a good shepherd in your life, would you say amen? amen. You just got a lot of witnesses that said, oh, yes, he's a good shepherd. So how do we do it? How do I help you walk away from this moment right now and make sure that God is your shepherd? Simple and plain is you need to learn what the voice of God is versus the noise of the world. You got a lot of suitors waiting to try to pull you out of God's, of God's pasture. You got a lot of people trying to pull you out and take you somewhere else that you don't want to go. Remember this about sin. It takes you to places you never wanted to go. It takes you, makes you stay longer than you wanted to stay, and it costs you way more than you wanted to spend. You need to know what his voice is versus the noise. And the only way that I can tell you to do that, start reading the Bible. If you read the Bible and you consume it in such a way, it'll develop what you can hear from God, and you will know what his voice is, and you will follow it with all of your heart. The second thing I would encourage you is to quit following the wrong and the bad shepherds. This may be costly. Can we be just really, truly honest with one another right now? Some of you may have to walk away from relationships, and that's going to be tough. You may, have to, you may have to leave that boyfriend, girlfriend in the dust. You may have to really change your work environment. You may have to do a lot of things. You pray about that with God, and whatever God says do, you just be obedient. But you may have to walk away from somebody that's leading you somewhere God doesn't want you to go. Because it is greater the reward than the cost. So if you're following something that's bad or wrong, go follow something that's great and eternal and good. The last thing I would encourage you is don't stand at the gate. Don't get to that threshold where God's pasture is right here and you're like, man, that looks great. That field corner over there, mm, that looks good over there. Man, that beautiful white picket fence, I would love just to run alongside that. Don't stand there. Run in the gate. Don't, don't just like, oh, it's like that moment from uh, the, the, the ladies' baseball movie. Um, why did I forget it? Leave of their own. And that lady, like, they're, they're big signals. Remember that? 
And she's standing in the batter's box like, what do I do? What do I? Don't do that. You run in. And let me add something to this. If you're in, don't run out. Don't jump the fence. Don't look at Satan's lie. Man, that grass is greener. He painted it. Jesus grew it. Don't feed the lie. Stay in his goodness. This morning, I want to encourage you. If God has led you through just a time this morning, and you say, man, I got stuff to pray about. We want to give you that time. We want to have a moment of reflection where the band's going to come up and they're going to sing a song and they're going to remind us that God has never left you. God has never abandoned you. He's always been right there with you. And he's always been right there for you. So this morning, you reflect and you ask yourself, who is my shepherd? Who am I following? And his name needs to be Jesus before you walk out of this place. If you can walk out with all your heart, with every conviction, every fiber in your being, say, I am Jesus is my shepherd, I'm following him, then all praise be to God. If you say, man, I don't know who Jesus is, but I would sure love to follow a good shepherd versus a bad shepherd, then I'll be right over here. We can talk, we can pray. We got people sitting around you right now that would say, if you would just be bold and courageous and say, can somebody help me? If they themselves cannot, they will bring you into someone that can. And it's not because we're that good. It's because we know Jesus. And we want you to know Jesus. The God of the universe didn't just create you. He wants to be in a relationship with you and lead you all of your life. So, Father, we thank you this morning for that encouragement that you are the good shepherd, that we can trust you and we can follow you. You will neither leave us nor forsake us. You will only lead us to good things. So as we sing, as we reflect, as we pray, as we just seek your wisdom and your leadership, Father, remind us, teach us, challenge us that we can say, Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.